Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. We're uh, sharing today from John chapter 13, and we're going to be talking about letting love rule as we've been studying through the book of John. I've loved this. In John 13, verse 34 and verse 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Love is not an option. Love is a commandment. Praise God. And Jesus said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Now, how did he love us? He loved us freely. He loved us unconditionally. Jesus loved us when we were making all the wrong choices and doing all the wrong things. He loved us. The scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God commended, God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us when we were in our sin. When we were making all the wrong choices and doing all the wrong things, God loved us and gave Jesus And Jesus died for us in that state. He says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Love is mark, praise God, of being a disciple of Jesus. Did you know, are you a disciple? Are you a disciplined student of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you committed to doing what he says, what the word says? If you are, you cannot help but walk in love. Love is the nature of God. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. Thank God for love. And do you know it's the first fruit of the Holy Spirit? When we say it's the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Understanding that. You see, the Bible says that God is love. And when you understand that love is the first fruit of the Spirit, all the other of the other nine fruit of the Spirit, eight of the others, they all flow forth from love. So we need to keep walking in love. We need to let the love of God rule our life. Do you know the devil tries to trip people up? The Bible says that we're not supposed to be ignorant of his devices. He tries to get you in strife, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, All those things will stop the flow of the good things of God in your life. And so don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. Do you know what? If you are in church for very long, you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. I guarantee you, if you come to this church, if somebody else doesn't offend you, I probably will. You know, churches are made up of people. And people have problems. A church with no problems is a church with no people. You know, we're still here. We're still on the earth. Amen. We got one third of us. Our spirit is wall to wall Holy Ghost. But we got a mind, a will, and emotions to deal with, right? We've got a physical body to deal with until Jesus comes. So we've got to keep working on this thing called love. It's the mark of maturity. The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse 14, put on charity, the God kind of love, which is the bond of perfectness or maturity. 
You know what, I can tell. Operating in the gifts doesn't prove to me that you're a spiritual person. But when you walk in the love of God, that demonstrates your maturity as a believer. And we need to keep loving people. Jesus talked about loving our enemies. We gotta love our enemies. Sometimes it's challenging loving your, now, most of the time. You know, I'm talking about enemies in the world. It's not, you know, they're just stupid. They're not saved, right? They think wrong. So it's not really challenging sometimes to love our enemies, but we have to love our friends that make wrong choices. Sometimes we just think differently. Think about this. Jesus traveled with these 12 guys, and they traveled for three years. And, you know, we talked about how they have different personalities, different ways of thinking and doing things. You've got to learn to get along with other people that are different than you. And you know what? That, that shows your maturity. You have to grow up. Hallelujah. And we have to keep working on walking in love. Nobody has all the right answers all of the time. You know what I'm saying? We all need to walk in love. We need to love our enemies. We need to love our friends that have made the wrong choices. Praise God. Jesus in this passage of Scripture talks about Judas is going to betray him. But before he does that, he washes Judas' feet. He washes all of his disciples' feet. Do you know, that is an act of humility. My first point is this. By love, serve one another. Scripture talks about that. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 actually quotes that. By love, serve one another. Jesus served his disciples. Let's look at this in verse 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come and he would depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. Jesus loved them to the end. Some people really don't follow through in this realm of love. You know, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You know what? We need to let the love of God rule. We need to love people till the end. Verse 2, after supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray, betray him. It began in his mind, in his soul. Satan got a hold in his brain. Jesus knowing, in verse 3, that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he was come from God and went to God. Do you know, when you know where you came from, when you know where you're going, when you are established in who Christ is and who you are in Christ, that really gives you great security. You know, that, that helps you love people no matter who they are. That helps you love your enemies, right? That helps you love your friends that have made bad choices. Praise God, that helps you love everyone. Now, as a whole, it's not too hard to love the world. You know, the world's a little bit crazy. You know, we just know they're crazy, right? Crazy people do crazy things. I remember years ago, we were in town, and you know I'm not the best driver, but one day somebody <laughs> drove by me and waved the ugly finger at me, and I just smiled and waved at him real big like this. 
And Barbara, now Barbara usually knows when I've done something wrong. She said, what did you do wrong? I said, nothing that I know. She said, well, how could you do that? Well, that's the world. That's what we expect of the world. That's not too challenging, right? But when you come to the church and people that you expect more from, you know, when we pastored in Kit Carson, I was my only employee. And it was a little bit challenging, you know, to walk in love with the people in the church. There's always one, you know, that's got to challenge you, right? There's always one that thinks differently, Praise the Lord, but, but you learn to walk in love, right? You love them, you forgive them, you let things go. But, but then when I moved to Colorado Springs, I started working with another ministry, and there were people that were ordained in the ministry, and some of them were so ornery. One of them especially, he sat me across from the desk, and he said, I don't know why anybody would come to Colorado Springs and start a church. I looked across his desk and looked him right in the eyes and I said, I suppose because Jesus called them. <laughs> Praise God. But it was rather challenging. I told one of my good friends, I said, this is really difficult. He said, Lawson, it's good for you. I said, good for me? I want to choke this guy. <laughs> I want to wring his neck. He is a nut. You know? But I kept loving him. You know, a couple of years later, the Lord said, I want you to bless this person. I, I want you to be kind to them. And so I, I told him, I went and I said, I need an appointment. I need four hours of your time. Where are we going? What are we going to do? That's for me to know and you not to know. <laughs> but I want four hours of your time and you'll be happy. So we set it up. He gave me four hours. I got him in my car. I drove him to Shepler's in Denver. I bought him a brand new pair of ostrich boots. Some of the nicest boots that money could buy. Barbara said, I'd like you to buy me a gift like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, the Lord told me to. And you know, it just did something in that person's heart. It changed his heart. Hallelujah. He ended up coming to my church for a few years. After that, praise God. But sometimes people are difficult. But you know what? We can outlast the devil. So you got to love, love, you know, people in the body. Sometimes they're challenging. Sometimes they're difficult. You need to love your, you know, it's not too hard the world, right? Because the world's crazy. You know, they're like, dude, it's full of the devil. Your friends that have made bad choices, that's okay, but what about your mentors? What about someone that you really admire, that you really look up to, and they say something very negative about, I've had that happen. You know, I thought, I'll live long enough to prove them wrong. And you know what? They don't say those things anymore. In fact, they say things that are quite opposite because they didn't know my mentality had changed. My heart had changed. So you know what? They don't say those things, and we're still really good friends. But we need to, you know, when you know who you are, another person's head is the wrong place to have your happiness. You don't need to worry. It doesn't matter what all these people think. They're not the judge. They're not on the throne. What matters is what Jesus thinks. Praise God. So you need to have a strong identity in Jesus and in who you are. 
So Jesus knew that the Father had given all things to his hands. He knew that he came from God. He knew he went to God. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He was established in who he was. Verse 4 says, he rise from supper and laid his garments and took it down. Girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus said unto him, what I do you know not now, but you will know hereafter. Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And this was an act of total humility, total service. Jesus said, if I wash you not, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, also my hands and my head. I mean, Peter, he was all in or all out, but he was somewhere. And you know where he was because he'd tell you. <laughs> Jesus said, he that is washed needs not to except wash his feet, but is clean every bit. But you are clean, you are clean but not all. For he knew that he would betray him. Therefore, he said, you're not all clean. He, he knew Peter would be challenged with the fear of man. And because of that, he would deny him. So after he washed their feet and taken their garments, was set down, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. You know, a few years ago, I had some employees, and then they, they, they were just violent, strife with one another. It was terrible. And so I got both couples, and I got them in, and I set them down in a chair. I didn't tell them what I was going to do. I said, we're going to have a meeting. And I set them all down. And I put water in a pan, and I washed all their feet. I washed both the ladies' feet first, then both their husbands' feet next. And I washed each of their feet. All of their feet. I washed them. And as I washed their feet, I told them, weeping, how much that I appreciated them. I told them, weeping, how much that I loved them. How I saw how God had gifted them and brought them to this church. And you know, they all made these promises. One couple got it. The other couple didn't. The fruit was the evidence of it. And God knew ahead of time. As I did this in August, and God spoke to me at the beginning of September and said, if this person comes and asks you to go here, I want you to go and do this. And I did. And that opened the new door for the replacement for that person. It didn't happen for a few months, but God already knew their heart. But I told them, listen, I want you to be an example of love in this church. I want you to be the example of what love looks like. I want you to love one another. I want you to serve one another. I want you to forgive one another. I want you to let these differences go. They really don't amount to nothing. A lot of times the things you're so worked up over don't amount to nothing. What does it mean in eternity? Nothing. <laughs> so let it go. And you know what? If you let unforgiveness and strife and bitterness Get a place in your heart. You are giving place to the devil. You're stopping the flow of God and the Spirit of God in your own life. You know, Jesus said in Mark 11, we quote verse 23 and verse 24 about having faith. 
But he went on to say in verse 25 and verse 26, when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. Forgive if you have any little thing against anybody. Forgive. Do you have any little thing against anybody? Forgive. Great people learn the lesson of forgiveness. Great people learn to let it go. Praise God. Great people. Praise God. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. They learn these lessons. So forgive. I had the Lord speak to me about something. He said, listen, that person, what they did is very wrong. They're going to reap the results in their own life. But you need to forgive them. You need to let it go. I said, yes, Jesus, I let it go. It's gone. It's under the blood. I'm done with it. Amen? Let it go. Let it go. Because it's not hindering them. It hinders you. Now, when they're wrong, it'll hinder them if they don't repent. But just leave that with God. Amen? So we have to forgive. I've given you this example that you should do as I've done to you. Verse 16, verily, verily, truly, truly, I tell you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Right? Joy flows forth from love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Again, they all flow forth from love. You've never seen a person that's in strife and bitterness and unforgiveness who's a joyful person. you got to let it go, praise God. And when you let it go, when you forgive, then what? Joy will flood in your life. Peace. All the other of the other nine manifestations of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. They all flow forth from love. Because the Bible says, it doesn't say God is joy or God is peace. It says God is love. And all the rest flow forth from love. Joy flows from love. Peace flows from love. Long-suffering flows from love. Gentleness, goodness, faith flows from love. Faith. Did you know faith and love work together? Perfect love casts out all fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear and faith are complete opposites. Faith works by love. Galatians chapter 5 says, verse 6, talking about understanding the love of God for you. And when you get a revelation of how much God loves you, guess what? Faith works through that. Amen. Now, first point was by love serve one another. Jesus served his disciples. Jesus served humanity. He gave himself. He humbled himself, not only in this act with his disciples, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Because of this, God has highly exalted him and given him a name at the name of Jesus that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. The second thing is we need to love our enemies. Jesus begins to talk about this betrayal that Judas was going to betray him verse 18 through verse 30 I speak not of you all I know who I have chosen but that the scripture may be fulfilled he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me now I tell you before it comes when it has come to pass you may believe that I am he 
Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whoever I send receives me. And he who does, receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in the spirit and testified. And said, verily, verily, I say to you that one of you shall betray me. You know, Jesus went out and prayed all night before he chose his disciples. And he chose, after that, he chose Judas. And Judas betrayed him. You know, if you have very many people in today's society that you have a relationship with, you're going to deal with some of that. It just comes along with the territory. But you know, Jesus said, love your enemies. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. I want to read these verses to you. Matthew 5, verse 43 to verse 48. Jesus said, you've heard that it's been said you'll love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that cursed you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. You keep praying for them. That you may be the children of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. I want you to know that the sun coming up and the rain coming are both good things. God does good things for everybody. The Bible says that God is good to all. His tender mercies are over all of his works. God is a good God. Amen? He's good to people that don't deserve it. That's all of us. Amen? He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have for don't even publicans, the world, do the same? If you salute your brethren only, what do you know more than others? Don't even the publicans do this? Be therefore perfect. Even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Again, love is the mark of maturity. And if you don't pass the love test, you know what? The love test, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important test. What is the love test? If you want to see how well you're doing in the love walk, go to 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified Translation and just see how well you're doing with it. And you know, sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's challenging. But again, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. So we want to grow up. If we're going to grow up, we've got to walk in love. It's really not even an option. Verse 22, back to John 13, verse 22. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Peter therefore beckoned to him, this other disciple, that he would ask who it was that Jesus was talking about. He, the one lying on Jesus' breast, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, it's him to whom I give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he dipped a sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said unto him, that that you do, do quickly. No man at the table knew what intent he spoke this to him. For some thought, well, because Judas has the money. Jesus said unto him, go buy those things. We have need against a feast or that he would give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out and it was night. 
Can someone reject their salvation? You know, that's a question that's been argued in the church for years and years. But I have to go with the scripture. And in the scripture, it says this in Hebrews 10, verse 26, if we, have, if we sin willfully after we've received a knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Now, you can't really take that scripture out of the context. So it's talking about a specific sin. And you define the specific sin by verse 29, Hebrews 10, verse 29, and it talks about doing despite to the spirit of grace and counting the blood of the covenant wherewith you have been sanctified an unholy thing. In essence, what it's talking about is rejecting Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about rejecting your salvation. And if you're going to read that in Hebrews 10 and really get it right, you've got to put it in the context of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through verse 6. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 6. In fact, I can just turn over there really quickly and read it. And this is my opinion. If you have a different one, it's fine. I still love you. Amen. Hebrews 6 verse 4 it says, For it is impossible... For those who were once enlightened, I believe that's talking about being convicted by the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be saved, you have to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted of the heavenly gift. I believe that's the gift of righteousness, the gift of salvation. And we're made partakers of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. I believe that's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. They've received the good word. They've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They've operated in the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, this person is a person who has a very intimate personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says, it's impossible for these who have come to this place in their relationship with me and reject me. In verse 6, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So if you come into very close intimate, which not very many people have got that far in their relationship with Jesus, first of all. Secondly, almost no one who, who would be at that level in a relationship with Jesus would reject him. So I don't believe it's probable but I do believe it's possible when I put that scripture with Hebrews chapter 10. And so when he says, if we sin willfully after we received a knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, it's talking about willful rejection of Jesus. Now, I believe if somebody's done that, they, they won't even desire the Lord. So I believe if you have a desire for the Lord and a desire for the things of God, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. You have not rejected Jesus. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is the one that's in you creating that desire. Amen? But here we see Judas rejects Jesus. Jesus said it'd be better for this person in another place if he was never born. 
Also, you, you've got to watch your attitudes. You know, in John chapter 12, Judas was complaining. Mary came and made this great offering to the Lord Jesus. She gave a, she poured this anointing, this ointment on his feet, about a year's wages. Might be like thirty or forty thousand dollars in today's terms. Poured it on his feet and anointed him. And Judas said, This should have been taken and sold and given to the poor. It's not because he cared for the poor. He didn't care about the poor. He was a thief and he bare the bag. Sometimes people say one thing, they're being trying to look pretty and religious, but but Jesus said, No, this woman, this is going to be spoken of all around the world, how she anointed me, this act of kindness for burial. I don't watch your attitude in the realm of money. You know, the Bible actually says this in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. You know, God is not against you having money. God wants his people to be blessed. He wants them to prosper. There's lots and lots of promises that say that. But 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 says, The love of money is the root of all evil, which some, having coveted after, have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It goes on in verse 17 in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and says, charge those that are rich in this world that they be willing to give, ready to distribute, laying up a foundation in the world to come. Do you know most of you live here in America, you'd be considered rich on a world standard. Amen? We need to be so thankful for what God's given us. Amen? And we all need to get involved in this thing called giving. Hallelujah. But Judas got the right attitude about, the wrong attitude about money, and it affected his heart in a negative way, and I believe it left him open where the devil could come. Praise God. Dr. Lester Sumrall wrote a book one time. They took it off the shelf because there was so much controversy over it. He said, can a Christian go to hell? His conclusion was this. He said a Christian can have about anything they want to. But it's better to be safe than sorry. They took that off. I've got a copy of it. They took it off the shelf because it wasn't a popular book. But it's interesting. You know, when we read what the scripture says. Now, I believe there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that have never truly been born again. There have been some studies done in Christian realms that say that 90% of believers reject their faith while they're in college. They they never had faith. There's not any 90% of anybody rejects their faith in Jesus. That is totally unscriptural. That is totally ungodly. That is not true. But there may be people who really never had faith. They were never born again. They had a head knowledge. But Billy Graham said it may have been more than 50% of people who called themselves Christians who never really knew Jesus, who were never really born again. And I think that happens quite a bit. Anyway, just food for thought. Number one, by love, serve your, serve one another. Number two, love your enemies. Love your friends who've made bad choices. Love everybody. It's really not a choice. Number three, it's a commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 31, John chapter 13. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God will glorify him in himself and immediately glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, as I said unto the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, 
a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. This is the mark of maturity. This is the mark of believers. Love. Love one another with the God kind of love. Love one another as Jesus loved you. Love one another freely and unconditionally. I love what Paul says in Romans. Let's look at Romans 13, verse 8 through verse 10. He says, Oh, no man anything except to love one another. Now, that's not talking about having debt. If it was a sin for you to borrow, then it's a sin for you to lend. And the Bible says you will lend and not borrow. That's talking about, you know, like when I was a kid growing up, my parents moved from place to place. And whenever you moved to a new place as a young man, you had to have a place, right? You had to, you had to kind of fight your way in. And I was kind of a little scrawny kid, you know. So every time we moved to a new place, you'd get in a fight. And I, I'm not the biggest and the toughest, but listen, I know how to send them home. <laughs> Crying. Hallelujah. I won't tell you what I did. <laughs> they might have called me a sissy fighter, but listen. <laughs> Praise God, I know how to hold my own. And then and come back and say, I owe you one. No, you don't owe anybody anything. That's what that's talking about. That is not talking about debt. I had three men who were my mentors. All of them were millionaires. All of them started with debt, right? And, the, and they, they, they got in business and they made money and I listened to what they all told me and I gleaned things from them and I incorporated those things in my life and guess what happened to me? I've become a millionaire a few times over. And I have a little bit of debt. We used a little bit of debt when we moved in. Now, currently, we don't have any debt. We're very thankful. We have a lot of money saved. We're looking for the next great opportunity. I believe within the next three or four years, God is going to give Karis Christian Center a phenomenal opportunity to reach this community and to reach the world. And I'm going to be standing at the gate. I'm going to be standing at the door. And I'm going to have the money to walk through the door and do what God tells me to do. Hallelujah. I'm excited about, I'm excited about the future. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But you know what? It takes planning. It takes preparation to be ready sometimes to get to do those things. And you know what? We wouldn't be in this building if we didn't plan, if we didn't pre prepare, if we didn't save, if we didn't invest. I've been criticized for that. I've been criticized because you have too much money. <laughs> Can't you gripe about anything else? You know why? Because they don't have the vision. They don't know where I'm going. But at the last, the vision will speak. <laughs> it will not tarry. It's going to come to pass. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep doing what Jesus told me to do, and I'm going to keep believing him, and we're going to keep going forward. And listen, we're, we're going forward in a good way. And I don't care what happens in the world. We're not, we're not of the world. Praise God. We've got God is for us. He is with us, and we're very, very blessed. Hallelujah. 
Isn't that good? I don't know how I got off on all that. But we got to keep loving people. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another. I'm in Romans chapter 13. I need to get over there. Verse 8. He goes on to say this. He says, for he who loves his brother, he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For this, you will not commit adultery, you will not kill, you will not steal, you will not bear false witness, you will not covet. If there's any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You can't love your neighbor and lie about him. You can't love your neighbor and steal from him. You can't love your neighbor and commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. You can't love yourself and commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. You can't love, amen, your neighbor's wife and commit adultery with her. You can't love God. See, it starts with the love of God. You love God, and then you see who God made you to be, and you begin to love yourself. Because, See, a lot of people, they're not secure in who God made them to be. But you love God, you love yourself, then you love your neighbor, and you love is the fulfilling of the law. Praise God. So let the love of God rule your life. In fact, love is the nature of God. Did you know there are really only two New Testament commandments? I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. We'll read verse 23 and verse 24. This is his commandment that we believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. Number one, you got to believe Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Do you believe that Jesus is coming again? Do you believe in Jesus? And love one another as he gave his commandment. You know, when you believe on Jesus, the spirit of God comes to live in you. And the Bible actually says in Romans 5 verse 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen? So when you're born again, you're born of the spirit of Christ and you have the love of God in you. And you have the ability to love because you have the nature of God. Verse 24, he who keeps his commandments dwells in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he gave us. 1 John 4, let's go on to verse 7 through verse 12 of 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Here's how I can tell if you're born of God. Here's how I can tell if you know God. You're going to let love rule. He that doesn't love doesn't know God. Have you passed the love test? For God is love. God is love. That's who he is. That's his very nature. In this was manifested, made known, and revealed the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Love gave us life. Here in his love. This is the love of God. Not that we love God. It isn't because of what we did for God. It isn't because we love God. But because he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice, the covering for our sins. How many of you are glad that Jesus has covered us? It's good news. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If you, man, you know, when you talk about where Jesus in Matthew 18, talks about forgiveness. And he, he t- 
talks about. You know what? I've forgiven you these things, and now you need to forgive one another. Man, what has he forgiven you for? Yeah, everything. So you need to forgive, just like Jesus is forgiven. Amen? You need to let it go. Amen? Just like Jesus, let it go. Amen? And you need to let love, let love rule your life. Serve one another. Serve your husband. Serve your wife. Serve your children. Serve your boss. Serve your employees. Serve one another through the love of God. Amen? You need to love your enemies. Love your friends that make bad choices. You need to love everybody. Love the world. God loved the world. We need to let love rule us. And finally, it's a commandment. It's really not optional. Praise God. We need to love in the same way that Jesus loved us. Let's go back to John 13. We'll read these last verses, verse 36 through 38. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where do you go? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now. It's not time. But you can follow me later. Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus said, really? <laughs> will you lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say to you, the cock will not crow till you have denied me three times. But you know what? Jesus knew. And Jesus said, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, you will strengthen the brethren. I want you to realize that. Get this. Peter denies Jesus, but he didn't reject Jesus. Peter denies Jesus because he made an emotional decision based on circumstances and things that were surrounding him. But he's not rejected Jesus. Amen. There's a huge difference in denying Jesus and rejecting Jesus. And even before Peter did it, he said, Lord, I'll go with you. I'll follow you. Even though everybody betrays you, I won't. But Jesus said, listen, you're going to betray me, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you've converted, when your mind changes, you're going to strengthen the brethren. You may have fell down. Amen? But you're not fell away. <laughs> Amen? Glory to God. You might fall down, but you're going to get back up, and you're going to be stronger than ever before. So keep moving forward in the love of God. Let the love of God rule your life. Let the love of God rule your relationships. Let the love of God rule your decisions. Anytime you make a decision outside of love, you need to consider the love of God. That is the wrong choice. Let love rule. Let love win. And you're going to win. Amen. A lot more than you lose. Praise God. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.